views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, playing underground music since 1969. Follow us on Twitter at KUCI FM or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash KUCI 88.9. This way, you can be the first to know when we will be giving away tickets to your favorite concerts, festivals, and events. You can also call in 949-824-5824 to make a special request. KUCI, a community supporting the artistic creativity of all. Hello, hello. You are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. This is DJ Broca, welcoming you to another episode of Pills, Easy to Swallow Stories in Medicine. Thank you for joining me today on this uh, Tuesday afternoon. We'll be talking about food today and nutrition. Uh, Definitely a topic that there's a lot to talk about, but um, we'll try to instill like a couple of things that we can cover in just half an hour. Uh, see what's interesting. Of course, there's a lot to 
a lot of things that are very interesting and very relevant about food, something that uh, applies to each and every one of us. In the background, you're listening to Mulatto Astaki and the Heliocentrics. This is a band that I only found out about, I think, yesterday. Somebody was playing it right here on KUCI. Um, as uh, if you were listening to the previous episode as well, this is a great radio station to check out new bands and find out things that you've never heard before since we play mostly non or all non stream, non mainstream music. Um, so that's what's going to be going on in the background as we talk about food. So I want to make this episode about food and nutrition, but what I don't want to do is really tell you how to eat. I think there's enough sources online or, you know, from people you talk to and whatnot who tell you, oh, you should be eating this or that, and there's fads all the time. Um, in fact, I think one of the things that I want to kind of talk about today is it's not that easy to, in a way, it's very easy to know what you want to, what you should be eating. And at the same time, it's quite hard if you want to do it you know, rigorously um, in the way that, you know, different diet fads um, say that uh, this is good for you or not. Uh, oftentimes they'll point to some sort of scientific or pseudoscientific explanation of, oh, this makes a lot of sense. But in reality, things are much more complicated than that. So we'll talk about some of those things and whatnot. But uh, forgive me if at any point I say you should be eating this or that. That's not really the intention of this episode at all. Uh, so I won't, I'll try to not get into that stuff. Instead, um, we'll just talk about kind of food and some of the things that come out of trying to think about nutrition, both from a scientific as well as cultural point of view. And it might be a big question now, why talk about this in the first place? Because maybe what you would, you're thinking to yourself is, hey, food is something that um, doesn't belong in a show on medicine, right? But in reality, it has a profound impact on our health and our day-to-day lives because it's something, you know, eating is something we engage in almost at least three times a day, right? If you don't include snacks. And so all of that builds up. And although it's not like a drug or a pill, something that you'll take once and uh, that's it, that's going to have a huge uh, effect on you at once you know unless you're I don't know eating uncooked meat and that makes you sick then it can have a really profound effect on you at once as well but in general food you don't see the effects of it immediately but that's not to say it doesn't have any right because we we eat so many times per day and we eat every day of our living lives that really all adds up and that that makes sense because a lot of the things, a lot of the health problems that we deal with and we see in clinics um, day to day are things that don't come from a sudden illness. It's not like a sudden bacteria attacked you and you're sick suddenly. Most of the time, a lot of the health conditions come because, you know, something's been building up in you for a long time. For example, you know, years before that heart attack happens, you're vessels have been getting filled and filled with gunk and cholesterol and other things that 
are、uh, wearing away at you,、uh, and so it's not really like an immediate uh, uh, effect. And this correlates well with kind of the trajectory of food itself as well, something that's long building. And so, what 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 would you want for this kind of thing? You would want to have an idea about.、Um, Kind of some way of looking at food, or some way of appreciating it, such that you can maintain and keep eating、um, things that keep you healthy, rather than a one-stop, you know, eat this and then you'll be fine. And really, that's one of the ways to look at it. And so, I think any time people say, "Oh, if you eat this, you'll be healthy," that's already a warning sign that that's probably not accurate. But. As、uh, I hope、uh, that's convincing to t-、uh, that's convincing reasoning for why you know nutrition and food. I mean, not really nutrition. That makes it sound very I don't know scientific and、um, uh, dry. But you know, just why food is relevant for、uh, a show on medicine. And so we'll we'll talk about it.、Um, what I、uh, realized recently from taking. Or listening to a couple of lectures from experts in this subject, you know, dietitians and physicians who counsel patients about this every day, is that there is a lot of stuff we actually don't know. There's a lot of、um, there's a lot of factors and a lot of things that go into the things that we eat, and a lot of ways our bodies react that we're still finding out about. So it's it's an ever changing、uh, science that we're、uh, grappling with. But there are patterns and things like that that we can easily、uh, notice if we stop to, you know, do a study of some sort.、Um, so one of the biggest examples of how food can impact health comes from people who've looked at things like the Mediterranean diet, which you may have heard about.、Um, and this is a diet that you know consists mostly of things like fruits and nuts, vegetables,、um, very little meat or dairy. Um, just maybe because those things were not as available in areas around the Mediterranean, but there was a good amount of fish because people were used to fish in that sea, and so you know you got this dietary pattern that a lot of people in these countries have, and what people find is that the more people are eating this kind of food, the less they have cancer, the less they have、uh, different types of heart disease, a lot of these things that are really Um, that kill us nowadays in the modern age, they seem to have less of, and that's been shown study after study. And people are, you know, queuing into, oh, what is it about these foods that might be so good for you? Now,、um, that might be enough to say, oh, like that's the diet that everybody should be on. But there's definitely quite a few reasons to caution about that.、Um, It's not like a one-size-fits-all kind of thing. In fact, there there's probably a lot of factors that go into, you know, whether you, or not you should you should or even do eat one thing or another. And so that's that's some of the things that I'm really interested in because that makes it such a complex、uh, system, right?、Um, you don't just eat things because you know they prevent heart disease or cancer.、Um, a lot more goes into it. So let's get into some of those things. So why is first of all the Mediterranean diet not a、um, failsafe for you know that's the thing that everyone should be eating? 
Well, so the first reason would be because a lot of these interactions are really complicated. It's not like you have, um, you know, the nutrients that go into your body because you, you know, you dig into it, your plate, and you eat them. It's not like we process them the same way. Our bodies are different, and so that makes a big difference in how the, you know, vitamins or how the、um, fats and、uh, proteins that that are coming into our system are even processed. So, to give you a good example of this,、uh, you know,、uh, we're finding out more and more about the, all the microbes that are inside our guts. So, inside the small intestines and large intestines, we have. You know, millions of species. Maybe millions is wrong. It could be even billions. I mean, what I know is we have more bacteria there than we have cells in the human body. And and these things are have a huge impact in what we're able to process, what kind of nutrients we actually absorb into our system, whereas which ones we leave to be excreted out. And so it, it's just possible that if you start on a med- Mediterranean diet. You won't have the same health benefits as somebody else because you don't have, say, the gut for it. You don't have the bacteria that are processing things in the the way that somebody who's like a native to a Greek island has. And so you're not going to be as be- it's not going to help you as beneficially as somebody who's there. Moreover, you might just not have a palate for it. So, for example. You know, you have to if you, you know, embark on this、uh, challenge of you're going to eat more of Mediterranean type foods. You may or may not succeed, and you know, if you really don't like the taste of it, you're more likely to quit at some preliminary point. And if that happens, well, then all that effort and all the Costco-sized,、uh, you know, jars of almonds and whatever else you bought are down the drain. And so, you know, you have to actually like the food that you're eating in order to c- keep going. Of course, if the food that you like to eat is super high in fat and whatnot, then maybe there's、uh, room for some adjustment. But you know, it has to go both ways. There's this interaction here. And another thing that we don't really think about necessarily is food might not even be available. So we take it for granted now that you know you can walk into a grocery store in a city like Irvine and pretty much find food from all sorts of cultures and whatnot. But there's parts of the country where that's not possible, and certainly in other countries that's the case. And so there's an availability issue for many, and there's even、uh, you know issues that come up socially in terms of、um, your interaction with food. So. Take for example、um, uh, places that of lower socioeconomic、uh, areas where people just aren't making that much income. You know, you develop these things that are called a food desert. So while there is food, so while people are able to buy calories to sufficiently carry out carry on day to day, the things that are actually very cheap and affordable for these people. Are the most unhealthy things, you know, the potato chips or、um, fries or things like that. And、uh, not only are they the only afford the affordable things, but they're often at a lower price just to make them more enticing. And so you look at these places that are total food deserts as a result of this effect. And、uh, 
you uh, can't really, even though you have food around, you can't uh, make use of it or, you know, the distribution of it is such that you're not getting it to the people uh, in a fair way. So all those factors are um, important to keep in mind when we're considering, you know, uh, the complex interactions and why you can't just, you know, start eating uh, one particular way or another. There's a lot of momentum, a lot of inertia from where you're starting off. And you have to consider, okay, what can I tweak within this? What can be changed in order to, you know, get myself to a better optimal? Like, say, I'm noticing I'm, I'm, I'm eating way too many... I don't know, like blueberries. Like I'm eating so many blueberries that my skin is turning blue. You know, then, you know, given that condition, then you can go and uh, make the subtle changes that need to be for your particular situation. But it's very hard to sign up for like a, a diet that's totally exotic and foreign and expect that it's going to, you know, have the same health benefits for you as it does with, you know, some endemic population that eats that stuff another big point that comes out of looking at all this nutrition uh, information is that you know as you can see with any diet fad that you know claims okay this is scientifically proven to cut down on fat or whatnot while that might be true the thing to keep in mind in the back of your mind is that the science is often super incomplete and that's not really true specifically only for nutrition. That's just a general truth. I mean, science is always, you know, something in progress. You know, we're finding out more and more about things each time. And when it comes to nutrition, the the urge is to kind of decompose things down to its biochemical ingredients and try to figure out, okay, this is the, you know, these are the building blocks that it's made of and how much you know, what do we need in the body? And there's some merit to it, right? Because we understand what the body needs on a chemical level to run and function. And so we want to provide it all of that. But it's a little bit presumptuous to think that we know, you know, everything the body needs. I mean, this is still some things we're figuring out. And as well, it's not even fair to say we know everything that on the other side the food is made of. I mean, unless you're eating something super processed where it has like 50 ingredients all listed out. If I ask you instead, what is kale made of? That's pretty hard to say. I mean, we know that it's got vitamins, K, A, C, minerals like man manganese and copper. It's got fiber and omega-3 fats. But did you know it also has isothiocyanates? Well, neither did anyone before 2000s because we didn't even know that was a thing. But now we know it's super potent for um, as an anti-cancer uh, component. And so, you know, we're finding out new things about the foods all the time. And it's a little bit unfair to say, you know, the science is directing you to eat uh, because it has this one component because we don't even know all the things it has in it. This might be one of those cases where really culture guides you because it's rather than kind of doing experiment by experiment we've figured out over hundreds of years and many many generations okay this kind of works this combination of food seems to keep us healthy and happy and whatnot and so that's a great thing to resort to when trying to make 
your food decisions. It doesn't always work, but it's one option. And I mean, this goes even beyond. Sometimes the science reveals in uh, uh, in the food things that are of uh, great concern to us. And it's not really always clear whether or not that concern is warranted. So, for example, let's take pesticides. We, we're often really worried that uh, the food that we eat is covered in pesticides and might be, you know, causing us terrible damage and might damage our kids or um, children um, and other susceptible people. But it's super—it's not very clear, really, the full impact of these things. So, for example, there's things that publish, okay, of these foods, these are the ones that keep the pesticides even after you wash them. And then uh, these are foods that wash the pesticides right off. So immediately looking at that chart, you might think, okay, I should buy organic products that say that they're pesticide-free if I think that food is not going to be... Um, if I think the pesticides aren't going to be wash, uh, it's not going to be possible to wash the pesticides off. But what's kind of omitted from all this analysis is, you know, are is that level of pesticide even something of concern? And it might not be because it might be that there's so little of it that the body can very much handle it. I mean, we better believe that the body after, you know, so many years of, uh, you know, evolution can handle some amount of damage and pesticides and any other toxins that you throw at it. We're more resilient than that. But, you know, if all you hear is, okay, uh, you know, strawberries kind of just soak up pesticides, then that might induce in you some sort of fear and avoidance of that fruit, which is a shame. You shouldn't avoid strawberries. And then another point that uh, it really comes to mind when you start to look into all this nutrition things is there's going to be people left and right that recommend, you know, eat this or eat that all the time. I mean, it's it's very common to see both health fads and more official sources giving you recommendations for, you know, this is good to eat or that's not good. And the thing to keep in mind is that oftentimes these recommendations come from potentially biased sources. And I think this is most clear when it's an advertisement for some sort of food or some sort of diet or something like that. But it's a little bit more subtle and harder to appreciate when it comes to from, say, a government organization. So to give you an example of that, let's consider uh, the USDA, which publishes a dietary guideline every year. And so when the 2016 one came out, they made all sorts of recommendations but they said things like, you know, limit your sugar intake. But what they didn't say, but is well known among a lot of dietitians, is the main way a lot of people consume too much sugars is because they drink like soda or they drink juice that's just chock full of um, the sugars that you should avoid. And so the guidelines did not go so far as to specifically say cut back on those and only eat drink this much of it. Nor did they say that you know, processed meats can be potentially carcinogenic, which is something that uh, people are more and more doing, doing more and more research on, but there are some studies to suggest so. Um, 
you know and so the dietary guidelines suggest you know try these other kinds of sources of protein but they go short of saying you know maybe potentially avoid this and some people have really taken a fault to it because apparently when the scientific uh, advisory committee was asked to come up with these uh, guidelines they had wanted some more strict um they wanted more strict uh, guidelines and more direct rules or suggestions for the consumer but these were kind of struck down in the process and uh there's this great quote by this uh, guy Walter Willett who's a epidemiology professor at Harvard who says clearly these guidelines bear the hoof prints of the Cattlemen's Association and the sticky fingers of big soda they fail to represent the best available scientific evidence and are a disservice to the american public i i thought that quote was great <laughs> the sticky fingerprints of big soda are watching over us you know um but it it's important to keep in mind that there are many vested interests in each of these food sources that tell you okay you know we need to protect assets in this way or that way and so we don't we want to make sure the guidelines aren't too damning there's other more subtle ways that this comes out as well so for example the um take uh you know at some point in i think the 80s there was uh there were studies that said saturated fats are causing cardiovascular disease and so at that point consumers started to look around for something else and this played right into the hands of you know people who were marketing alternatives but unfortunately what the alternatives turned out to be were things with no saturated fats but with trans fats or with uh, processed refined sugars which are just as bad if not worse for you and now when people look back they say well it was actually pretty good the um saturated fats that we had earlier and so you know there's a there's a certain amount of posturing that can happen and uh uh it takes really informed um decisions that are based on science because that's you know in some ways more impartial to make sure that uh you know false evidence or uh poor quality evidence isn't uh the point isn't what's uh guiding decisions one way or the other or worse yet business interests and uh finally i guess the the last point i wanted to bring up um the last observation i had in a sense from these uh nutritional uh lectures was that it seems like you know there's a lot of there's a lot of um different things that you could be queuing into you might be queuing into uh the scientific side of things which like we talked about can be biased in one way or another or it might be um you're queuing into you know the cultural um uh presidents which say you know this is the right thing to eat because we've been eating this for generations in our culture but even that could be wrong right because cer- certain cultures certainly seem to be doing better health wise than other ones do um so th- there's a fair amount of decision making that needs to happen and potentially not easy ones as we see but uh one of the things that might be a nice guiding force in this is just being conscious about what you eat um i had a guest 
a couple weeks ago, maybe two months ago, who talked about you know cooking more as a good way to um, just as a good way to you know eat healthier because that forces you in a sense to consider what you're eating, where you're buying it, the source of your uh, food and whatnot. And that's a very good point because, you know, it's a it makes you very conscious of the types of things that you're putting into the body. You notice if you're putting a lot of salt in the food that you eat versus a lot of, um, you know, oils of different sorts. You can also notice the colors that are going into your palate uh, or your um, plate. And for example, one of the things that we talked about in kale gives it a certain color. And the different colors are made by, you know, different ingredients. And it seems like a lot of these ingredients have different properties that are beneficial to the body. So, you know, you can very easily craft out um, a diet that's very colorful and as a result has multiple health benefits that we might not even be aware of before uh, beforehand. And so there are these like heuristics or easy to notice things that really can um, guide us as we make these decisions. So that was, uh, that was it. Some uh, thinking points about nutrition and food. I hope you found it somewhat interesting. Um, if you're interested, there's, of course, many resources online to learn more about this. I'll post some up on the blog for this uh, show. That's pillsonkuci.wordpress.com. Uh, you can tune in again next week. Uh, the show is on Tuesdays, 4 to 4.30. This has been DJ Broca, and thank you for listening. 